Kale in the world. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time you're watching this. I'm Chris Carrado. Welcome to another episode of Rock Hill Video. Uh, today we have on Lieutenant Chavis of the Rock Hill Police Department. Uh, we brought him on today to learn more about law enforcement. I think there's a lot of confusion right now and um, a lot of tension, and we just want to bring our guests on to talk about the issues. As I always like to say when I bring my guests on, I don't bring anyone on to bash them or praise them. Everyone has an equal opportunity to share their thoughts and um, knowledge on the matter at hand. So, Lieutenant Chavis, thank you for coming on our show today. Oh, no, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Cool, cool. So, what would you like to share about your personal life, family life, and, and background with us? Um, well, I've been at Rocky Police Department for 18 years now. Uh, I've done several things in my career and really enjoyed it. I've had a good time here, but I'm not originally from Rock Hill, and most of the people that talk to me uh, get that pretty quick. <laughs> I don't have the same accent that I have up here. I'm actually from Orangeburg, which is about two hours south, okay. going toward the coast, and so that influences where my dialect comes from, so I kind of talk, and everything runs together, but I, I grew up in Orangeburg. Um, graduated came to Winthrop and I stayed 1997 I started at Winthrop I graduated with a degree in family consumer sciences which most people don't understand but it's basically home ec oh so I got a degree in home ec I went to the teaching field uh, when I was in college and decided I wanted to do that but once I graduated I decided that uh, a career in law enforcement was better suited for me and I've been here ever since I graduated okay yeah I went to Winthrop too actually uh, I went to uh, study mass communication journalism so, yeah, that's actually went up to a really good school, if, for those of you who don't know, whether you want to be going to teaching or if you decide you want to go into different arts and uh, different types of mass communication. So, what specific reason why you, uh, you decided you want to become a cop or go into law enforcement? So, law enforcement and teaching don't really sound like they go together. <laughs> but what happened was, uh, during my student teaching, I was going Monday, Wednesday, and Friday one week, and then Tuesday, Thursday, the next. Uh, there was a young man in the third grade class um, that the teacher asked that I, you know, hey, can you give him some extra attention when we get breaks and all, talk to him. So I started talking to him. Uh, he was easily distracted, uh, wasn't keeping up in class. But I noticed that every day I was there, it was alternating days, he was wearing the same outfit. Same outfit, jeans and the same gray t-shirt. So I asked the teacher one afternoon, hey, uh, what's, what's going on with him? Can you tell me about him? And so she told me that this young man, third grade, um, had been living with grandma, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. He was doing great, uh, good grades, paying attention, not a discipline issue. Um, his mom had had a problem with narcotics and she had recently got back into his life and was awarded custody. And so they were having some, some trouble contacting mom, staying in touch with mom, they were having to go through grandma and grandma pretty much said that you know hey i don't really know where they're living they may be homeless again mm. um he might not be eating um, so just seeing the struggle that he was going through and hearing what was affecting him uh kind of changed my view of things and while i wanted to be in the classroom because it was something i enjoyed i also saw that there was a bigger way to make a difference in the, in the community to go out there and serve and to try and make sure that kids like him have a better chance that you don't have to deal with these drug issues and these crime issues because all he wants to do as a third grader is come to school he wants to come see his friends learn have a good day but he had so much going on in his background that he just couldn't do it and so it kind of 
like changed my direction and, and where I was looking at. So I applied at the Rock Hill Police Department and got hired. Okay, okay. So we know that you're a lieutenant, but what else specifically do you do for the department? So technically I'm the executive officer to the chief and okay. the public information officer. So what I do in those roles is I, I deal with the media on a day-to-day -day basis. So anything that we have that occurs, I give that information to the media if we have to put out press releases, if we have to do interviews um, about specific incidents that's going on, or if there's just things that we want to put out to the community to make them aware of, um, I put that information out. I also manage our social media sites, and then as far as uh, being the chief's guy, if he gets some task or some some duties passed on to him that he's a busy man, he's a real busy man. Um, then he'll pass them along to me and ask me to look in, maybe do some research on some uh, policy changes, um, some incidents that's going on, you know, that kind of investigative stuff for him to help him get prepared for any meetings that he has coming up. Okay, so is that a typical work day for you? Is that what it looks like? Yeah, or? a typical work day is I wake up every morning around 6.30. I start going through our reports to see what we might have had happen. Um, like we just had this long weekend, so... Every day I was waking up, going through the reports, and if there's anything that the media would be interested in, because it really saves them um, the work. If I go through it and just tell them, hey, well, this is what we had happen, go ahead and put it out. Um, because with the lobby, was closed for a while, so the media normally comes down and gets reports. So I just started texting out what we have or emailing them copies of reports or our press releases. So I always check that first thing in the morning and I check our social media accounts to see. Sometimes people send in tips or they try and make criminal complaints on Facebook. <laughs> um, they send us private messages and so I have to direct them on how to do it properly. If we get tips on certain things, I pass those along um, where they need to go. And then finally, I just I check in with the chief every day, see how he's doing, what we got on, on deck, what we need to plan for. And I figure out what it is and then just work on it. Got it, okay, thank you. So, you know, everyone has a, well, hopefully has some type of passion for the work they do, which we could tell you do. So I'm sure there are things you love about it and there are things you don't like about your job. So what, what would you like to share as far as what you're really happy about at work and then some things are just like, uh. um, So it's a two-part question, but uh, it's really uh, one question because it goes hand in hand. So most of the people in law enforcement already know going in, this is a career where you're not gonna be rich. Okay, you're not going to make a lot of money being in law enforcement. Teaching is honestly the same way. Like the salaries are similar. Um, you just don't make a lot of money. But the reason why you go into both careers is because you want to help people. And so the reason that we go into law enforcement is to see that positive change that we can impact on people. And the favorite part of the job is when you go out and you help people. And it could be as simple as pulling over and helping somebody change a tire or um, something I've seen firsthand being a supervisor on night shift is our officers going out and buying $200 worth of groceries for a family in need. Mm. A family that's struggling, you know, they're paying rent, living check to check. And we happened to stop by and talk to them one evening because they were out um, being a little loud, um, but not disturbing anybody. We just, hey, what's going on? Just talk to people in the neighborhood. And um, then we find out what's going on and it's like, all right. And so officers go and $200 out of their bank accounts put together and you know they come with a ton of food you don't hear stories like that you know they don't they don't do it for the credit they don't do it to get put in the news media they don't do it to get praise they do it because they like helping people and so you ask what's the least favorite part is that having to go out and help some people because what you're doing is you're meeting people in crisis 
you're meeting people having one of the worst days of their lives sometimes. And when when you're talking about that kind of help, you're giving children help that are being, you know, abused and neglected. You're talking about people who are struggling with narcotic addiction. And I'm not talking about somebody who just, you know, hey, I want to do drugs one day. It's people whose lives are just driven and they have to do drugs each and every day to get through. And you see that, you see how it's ruining their personal relationships with their family, their friends, their job, and it just kind of tears everything down. And so you're going out there to make that change and difference. And sometimes you do all you can do and still you just feel like it's not enough. And so that's, that's part of like the least favorite part is no matter what you do, you always question, could I have done more? Got it. Okay. So I'm sure you have tons of memories, tons of stories, some good, some bad, some indifferent. What would you like to share about some of the most memorable event, memorable events you've had? All right, memorable. So you can ask ten cops this question, and for memorable, memorable, I can't say that word right now. Memorable, memorable <laughs> events you're going to get ten different answers because some cops will tell you about oh this foot chase, oh this big case I made, or this police chase, car chase that I was in, you know, it was awesome. Um, but for me, it's a little different. For me, I like to think about impactful events and how you take somebody's horrible day and turn it around. And uh, one of the things I remember is I I come from detective division, got promoted to sergeant, and I was uh, on night shift. And I would get a call to an apartment building about uh, domestic. So we go out there and meet another officer and we go to the house, knock on the door, and we could hear talking. It wasn't even an argument. You just hear talking. So they open the door, and we ask if everything's all right. And there's the husband and the wife, and it's the husband, his daughter, and so a stepmom, and then stepmom's mom is there. She's step-grandma was actually eating at the kitchen table, so I was like, all right, this is not as bad as they called in about arguing, yelling. And so dad is actually packing up DVDs, DVD player in the living room. So find out him and daughter's from Connecticut. They came down here. He's gotten remarried, but they, it's just not working out. And so uh, we're talking to him and they decided, hey, we're going to split up. It's going to be amicable, but we were allowed. No big deal. So I asked him if I can talk to the child just to make sure that she was okay. She couldn't have been more than 11 years old. I'm guessing 10 to 12. So I go back in the bedroom. She's visibly upset. And... Um, I look around the room and as I sit down to talk to her, you know, she's like, yeah, they were just fussing. And Dad said, we're going to go back up to Connecticut, where we're from. And I see that she had like an Element book bag, a Roxy book bag, some Element shirts. And I was like, all right, I know this. This is my, my stuff. I'm, I'm familiar with this. So I asked her if she skateboarded. And she said, yeah, I used to when I was in Connecticut, but I don't down here. And I said, well, I used to skateboard too, but it was a cop, you know, most people talk about skateboarding. <laughs> Um, I got in trouble early in my career for telling some skateboarders where to go, ah. where, hey, you should go here, it's a vacant building, and find out, no, you, that's not a good idea to do. So I talked to her for a while about skateboarding, um, what she liked about it, what tricks she could actually do, and then I went up leaving. And uh, something hit me, and I was like, you know what, she, she's just not happy. You know, she's still upset. This is a big change for her, another big change for her in such an early age. So I called dispatch on the radio and just told them I was going to be busy for a minute. And uh, I drove out to my house, went in my home, went to my closet where my sports equipment is, and I grabbed my skateboard. I took a couple stickers that I had shoved away in a bag and covered up some of my old ratty stickers that had gotten grinded off. 
And I drove back to the apartment, and when I went back, it was still, you know, same conversation. I can hear, not yelling, I knock on the door. I step inside, and they're like, hey, you all right, officer? Uh, is somebody else calling? I'm like, no, nah, I'm here for your daughter. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, I brought her something. So I reached out and I grabbed a skateboard from the stairwell. I said, I wanted to have this. She told me she skateboarded, and she didn't have a skateboard anymore. Can I give this to her? I mean, I had skateboard skateboarded in my driveway down to my mailbox and back. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going out and doing it no more. And uh, he said, yeah, I said, can I, can I take it to her? He said, yeah. So he's still packing up in the living room. I walked back to her bedroom and I handed her the skateboard and uh, she gave me a hug and thanked me. I said, all you gotta do is just make sure you use it. I said, it hadn't been getting used, I need you to use it. And when I leave, as I'm walking out, <clears throat> her dad is now sitting at the kitchen table in tears. And so I said, hey, uh, you okay? And he just shook his head and he said, you know, sometimes we, we forget about what's important. We, we lose sight of what's going on around us. And he said, uh, the fact you just came back and did that, let me really know what's important. And I told him it was no big deal and I ended up leaving. So that moment with him and him seeing that, hey, things are not always as they seem. Her getting that skateboard, you know, something that she's probably missed for a little while coming down here, not having her friends up in Connecticut. Um, you know, I hope she wore the, the bearings and the wheels. I hope the wheels got flat from her using on that asphalt up there. And I hope that that moment was impactful enough for him to where it changed that dynamic that was going on that night and that she didn't have to continue to listen to him fuss and fight and that whole story play out. Okay. It's quite a story. <laughs> and you said she ended up moving back. I don't know. I never okay. went back to check on him. That, that was her goal, and I mean, he had a couple boxes packed by the time I got there. I'm hoping that that was kind of a, a heat of the moment type thing. Okay. But maybe, just maybe, it didn't happen. Got it. Okay. Well, I think uh, the next question I want to talk about is, you know, every day, you know, police officers will pull someone over. Maybe they were speeding, uh, swerving, taillight out. What would be your advice for our viewers that, hey, I just got pulled over. What's the best thing for me to do to make this go as easy as possible with the officer? Okay, so the first thing we're going to tell you to do is pull over as soon as you can. Uh, the longer you go, the more questions it's going to raise for the officer that's actually doing the traffic stop. Now, if it's nighttime and you know it's a dangerous road, you know the interstates are hard to pull over on. If there's an exit, you know just right up there, put your hazard lights on. That indicates that you know that the officer's trying to pull you over. Um, some people actually point and you can see the pointing going on through the back glass. Um, we understand that. We want you to pull over where, you know, somewhere safe, well lit, because it's, it's better for us and you uh, if that goes on. But try and pull over as soon as possible because it doesn't raise any alarms and cause us to question anything that you're doing. Um, once you get pulled over, just sit still in the car. We look for furtive movements, uh, making sure you're not reaching for anything that could potentially harm us or that could be dangerous, or you could be trying to hide something in the car. Uh, keep your hands on the steering wheels. Um, we always look for the hands because the hands are what can hurt us. So if your hands are on the steering wheel, uh, you're fine. We're going to walk up. Um, at the Rocky Hill Police Department, when the officer approaches your car, they're going to go ahead and tell you, hey, I'm you know, Lieutenant Chavis with the Rocky Hill Police Department. I'm identifying myself and my agency. The reason I pulled you over is this. So okay. you don't have to ask why we pulled you over. We're gonna we're gonna tell you. Now if you're speeding, there's a chance the officer might say, Do you know why I pulled you over? To try and get you to so go ahead and self-admit, yeah, I know I was speeding. Some people are in a hurry, they say, Hey, I'm sorry I was speeding. 
I won't wear my seatbelt, didn't use my turn signal, I might have cut you off, things of that nature. But we've got to identify ourselves, our agency, and the reason why we pulled you over. We're going to go through that. So no need to question you know, any of that. We're going to go through it. Then when we ask for your license, your registration, or your proof of insurance, if you've got to reach for it, just tell us where it's at. Hey, it's in the glove box, it's in the center, center console, um, my wallet's in my back pocket, that's where my license okay. is. You know, that kind of thing. So we know where we're reaching, you know what you got to grab, you know you're going to get it. Um, a caveat is insurance cards now. Some insurance companies just send you an electronic one you got to pull up on your phone. It's totally legal to do that. Just tell us, hey, i got to pull the insurance up on my phone. Uh, all right, go ahead and pull it up, you know, or we might say, go ahead and work on pulling it up. I'm going to go back to the car with the rest of your paperwork and check it out. And then, you know, sometimes you got to wait patiently. Um, we've got to check all the, the paperwork you give us to verify it's accurate. And then we've, if we're going to issue a warning, we've got to fill that out. If we're going to issue a citation, we've got to fill that out. So it might take a little, little bit of time. Um, so just be patient with us. Okay. Yeah, because I remember one time I got pulled over and I remember telling the uh, officer, I said, I'm going to reach into my glove compartment. Is that okay? Before I even did it. And he was like, he seemed very happy that I did that before I just started moving around. Yeah. In, in South Carolina, you're allowed to have weapons and vehicles. Now, um, you don't have to have a concealed weapon permit to carry it in your glove box or your console or your trunk. So definitely, if you're going to reach into one of those, uh, let us know. And if you have a weapon um, in there, just go ahead and let us know because we might just tell you to go ahead. Don't even worry about grabbing it right now. You know, <laughs> right. Don't, don't even reach there right now. Um, the concealed weapon permit law says if you have a concealed weapon on your person in your uh, permit holder that you have to tell us. Um, you should pre present your permit ID along with your driver's license. Okay. And you'd agree that when people are driving from state to state, they probably should learn the different laws for each state? Oh, absolutely, because North Carolina's right across the border. We're very close. Right. And uh, they have the display law where you actually have to have it where the officers can see it in plain view in the automobile. And we have hunters come down to hunt in South Carolina because apparently we got better hunting. Um, and they will have firearms on on the dash, on their seats and all, and no, make sure that you know the laws of the state that you're traveling in and traveling through. Got it, okay. So the uh, next question I wanted to talk about was um, warrants, and sometimes people will ask, you know, how can an officer get away with coming in my home without a, without a warrant? Is that, what would you say the rules of that, or how does that, how can they circumvent that? Okay, so there are exceptions to the necessity to have a warrant to go in to a home um, one is hot pursuit if we're chasing somebody they run into the home we have the, the legal right to go in there okay. uh, after that person um, if we see anything in plain view that we need to go ahead and plain view means if I if I'm at a place where I'm legally allowed to be and I can see something illegal in there um, that I may need to get right away before it can be destroyed or hidden mm -hmm. and getting a search warrant might not be as feasible um, before that happens, then we're allowed to go in and seize that. Um, if we actually have an arrest warrant for a person and that we've established that person lives there, um, that that person has been using that address, that address is on our arrest warrant for that individual, that will allow us to actually go in and look for that person. Now, we can't go into your kitchen cabinets or anything like that or your drawers. we got to look for a place where a person could be. Um, but there are exceptions to um, needing warrants that people aren't familiar with. Um, and if you go to the Rocky Police Department website, uh, we have our policy on search and seizure there. 
and it kind of goes in detail to let you know um, where warrantless searches actually do apply. Okay. Yeah, when you, when you suggest that I go to the website I did and I was looking up some things, so that's where the next question comes to. It's about reasonable suspicion. Uh, so sometimes people think, well, I'm, why am I being detained? You know, what is reasonable suspicion? Okay, so reasonable suspicion uh, is basically an officer has the belief that you're about to commit a crime, that you have committed a crime, or that you're planning to commit a crime. Now, they may detain you for that, that reason, but it's got to be articulable. They can't just say, um, I think you're about to do something bad. They actually have to say, I noticed that you've got a crowbar in your back pocket, you also have gloves on, you have a screwdriver with you and a bag, and you've been walking through this apartment complex looking at vehicles. Um, we've had 20 car break-ins in this particular apartment complex. So an officer may pull up with all that together, um, go ahead and detain you till they can find out what you're actually doing. If it's proven that you're just a handyman and you're working on something, then you know we're probably gonna do what we call a field interview and release you and let you go upon your way. But if we find out that, hey, you've got some merchandise in the bag, um, there's some cars that have been broken into, well, we're gonna do an investigation that could take a little bit longer. But reasonable suspicion um, is, is less than probable cause. Probable cause is what's necessary for an arrest. Okay. Now, uh, body cameras, I, we want to talk a little bit about you know, how, how effective they are. Uh, what would you say your experience has been with those? Uh, our experience as a whole at the Rock Hill Police Department is that body cameras have been a positive thing. What they allow us to do is see in real time what the officer that was on scene was dealing with, what they heard, what they saw, they observed um, firsthand. And those firsthand accounts are just fantastic in the fact that you get to see and live out that moment that the officer lived out. Uh, we found that with complaints, a lot of times when people call in and want to complain to an officer, uh, we'll tell them, all right, we're going to review the body cam from the incident and see. And a lot of times the complaint ends there. They're like, well, don't worry about calling me back. Uh, it's very, very quick. But the other thing is accountability. Uh, people always talk about police accountability, police accountability. We've had in-car cameras for a while, and the in-car cameras came with a body mic system so we could hear all that was going on. So we've always strived to be accountable in the fact that if an officer does something they shouldn't do, that we're reviewing, we're investigating, we're finding out. The body cam is just one more step to making it right then and there. All right, we'll watch the body cam, see what happened. And then, you know, the person filing the complaint has the ability to come down and watch the body cam with us. But like I said, a lot of times they don't come in and watch the body cam. Got it. Are you able to turn it off? So we don't turn off the, the camera per se, but we will mute the recording. And the reason why we want to do that is um, for confidentiality. Now, uh, officers may turn off the body cam if they go into a private resident and the person says, hey, I don't want you recording in my residence. But that rarely ever happens. What I mean by mutant versus the camera footage off is if we're talking to a, a crime victim, a sexual assault victim, we don't need those details to be put out like that on the camera. So we may mute it. Um, and then upon doing so, the officer has to indicate that I'm muting the body cam, 
uh, or if they're in that private residence, like I said, I'm turning it off and here is why. They have to give a reason on camera so when the recording stops or the voice and audio chat stops, they know. Um, another reason could be if a supervisor is talking to an officer that's just been involved in a critical incident. There are some rules that apply um, for officers giving statements and so they may tell the officer, all right, you need to stop the audio on your body cam or stop the body cam so we can find out what's going on to go and get the facts established on where the investigation needs to go next. Got it. I, also when I was reading on the site there was the the phrase use of force. So there's, there's a few things I want to touch on here. So when it comes to use of force how would you define that? What is that? Use of force? Uh, use of force is a physical contact beyond handcuffing that's needed to affect an arrest. Okay. And I guess we want to find out what are you allowed to do. So, I mean, I know every department is probably different, but I guess when it comes down to it, you know, with Rock Hill PD, you know, let's just say I get, I get pulled over and I try to assault you, whether I throw a punch, a kick, uh, what are you allowed to do? Um, so, our officers are trained by the state standard at the academy, and then we do defensive tactic training uh, at our department annually. So there are some strikes, um, which are punches or kicks. Um, we even do knee strikes um, to certain targeted areas of the body um, to gain compliance. We can use pressure uh, point control techniques that we've been trained in. Uh, we have tasers, some officers still carry batons, but only a few. And then we also have pepper spray. Um, with, the, with the taser, uh, we found that it gets a lot of compliance even just you know, pulling the taser out, uh, a lot of people go ahead and stop resisting at that point. Uh, we are not allowed to restrict airways in any way. We okay. cannot do any chokeholds. We cannot put knees on anybody's necks. We can't do any of that. Um, that's often a question we've been getting lately. We don't. Our policy says that you know airway restrictions are prohibited unless it's a deadly force situation. Okay. The next question I want to talk about, you know, still talking about use of force, when at one point would you pull out your, your firearm? Well, in order to pull out your uh, firearm, you have to have a reasonable belief that uh, there's a risk of, of death, um, that someone's life is in, in jeopardy, uh, whether it be, you know, your own or someone else's that the offender is putting in jeopardy, uh, then, you know, the firearm will be pulled out, it, it will be displayed. Um, in those situations. Okay, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you told me that. The reason why I ask is a lot of times people, you know, they say so and so shouldn't have been shot, or you know, there could have there's something else that could have been done. So a lot of times we just got to figure out well, what what is the law? You know, when at what point would you be allowed to pull out a firearm? Now, just out of curiosity, I, this this question came to mind: is what rules would apply for citizens? I guess basically, there's two people, you know, they get into a physical altercation, and one pulls out a gun to to shoot. At what point, do they have the same type of laws as the police, or is it different? Or they're they're going to be looked at the same same way. Okay. It's the reasonable standard of what you did at the time. And so, when officers um, de deploy their firearms and they uh, fire the firearms, they have to be looked at in that particular moment, at that particular time, were their actions justified to prevent the loss of life. And so with individuals, it will be the same way, uh, private citizens. Did you use your firearm to prevent the loss of life? Thank you.
So my next question is about improving race relations. Okay. I think that's definitely a hot button right now that we're seeing in the media uh, when it comes to not just citizens and law enforcement, but uh, the black community and law enforcement. What would you say that we can do, and we can just start right here in Rock Hill to improve race relations and so, community relations? So what we want to everybody to know and, and to keep doing is having dialogue. Um, we did a forum not too long ago and uh, it was hosted uh, and we had, I wish more people showed up, but we had uh, around 20 people show up at Boyd Hill and we, we talked and we engaged and we had question and answer and we spoke about these, these topics that are going on and they asked questions and so the best way to improve these relationships and have these partnerships is, is this. Everybody sits in their own group. You have your own cohort of friends that you hang out with. And a lot of times they're your friends because why? You're like-minded individuals. What I want to say is get to the other side. You know, if I just sit around and talk to a police officer all the time, we're going to, you know, shape each other, maybe have the same views. I can tell you this, not how it goes. A lot of us have different viewpoints on things, but a lot of people in their same cohort have share views, share ideas, nothing new comes in. But if you get out there and you talk to someone else on the other side of things, you get a better understanding and then you can put it together and make your own uh, judgment about things. It's just like with the news. If all you do is watch CNN, you got CNN's view. If all you do is watch Fox News, you got their view. MSN, you know, Yahoo News, The Times. What you have to do is you have to broaden your horizon, you have to broaden your scope, you have to reach out and find out what's going on. You have to keep talking and talking to more and more people to find out what's really the rooted issues, what's really going on, and then you bring that back together. Um, and then once you, you do that and you start seeing that, hey, there's a lot more to it than just my view, just you know my tight circle of 10 friends views, and you start branching that out. And so at the forum we did, um, the gentleman Joe that put it on came to me afterwards and said, hey, um, where do we go from here? What can we do next? How can we better serve you? I said, well, you were here. I said, you asked me a dozen questions after it was over. Um, you went on Facebook Live for a majority of it, but not here at the end. I said, so all these questions that I answered for you and that we talked about one-on-one -on -one to try and get a better understanding from your point of view, from my point of view, you have to take that back out. You know, it does nobody any good when you have these meetings and interactions and you don't take it back out to the community. So we have a lot of community activists out there. We have a lot of community leaders that come and meet with us and talk to us. So what we want to do is encourage them. Once you meet and talk to us, take this back out. Encourage your friends and family members to come talk to us, you know, and see. <clears throat> this is what's important that people don't realize is, yeah, we're police officers. We're public servants. All right. Some people like to call us where well, you're just a government official. Well, I'll take that. We are that. But I'm also someone who lives here in this community. I just don't work Monday through Friday, then, you know, check out. Uh, you know, our families are here. Our children go to school here. Our friends work and live here. So we're invested in this community just like everyone else is. What we want to see is a better Rock Hill. We want to see positive change. We want to be part of that. We want to enact positive change. Know that and understand that. Don't see us as, you know, a stone wall, an adversary. See us as another tool that, you know, we can use and come together and make this better. Got it. And then the second part of that question I want to talk about is, uh, is law enforcement, at least in this area, allowed to profile for any reason? So <clears throat> profiling, uh, no, if it's based on certain characteristics and traits, 
of a certain group or demographic of people. Um, criminal profiling has been around for ages and what that is is kind of the same thing I talked about earlier where if you're in a neighborhood where there's been a lot of car break-ins, you see somebody out late at night carrying a book bag, carrying tools that can be identified as burglar tools, then you're allowed to put that together and profile that individual and say, hey, they're out late at night, they're carrying the tools of the trade for committing burglaries, they've got this book bag, they're looking into vehicles. Now, if you want to go ahead and, and profile somebody for you know their race, their gender, um, the way they dress, or anything else like that, that's prohibited. We will not tolerate that, and that's illegal. Okay, thank you. Um, if it's determined what an officer did is, uh, I guess you could say, unlawful, how can someone appeal that? Well, the way it works here in Rock Hill is if an officer does anything that's deemed unlawful, it's going to be investigated by the state law enforcement division. Um, if you won't appeal that to us, um, they're going to be investigating the officer for the officer's misconduct. If it's unlawful, um, they can bring about charges or a recommendation to the police department. Now, our police department will investigate officers uh, through internal affairs for policy violations. And oftentimes, there's discipline associated with policy violations. Um, there's different levels of dif discipline for different offenses, um, but as far as the lawfulness goes, that always falls back to SLED because we don't investigate our officers internally for criminal activity. Okay. Um, that is outsourced to SLED and uh, just for transparency and different accountability. Okay. The, re the reason why I ask is a lot of times people feel like, you know, if uh, someone of law enforcement does something unethical or something that they're not to do, like they, they broke their own policy, they feel like, oh, well, he or she just got a slap on the wrist. Or... So I guess what I want to ask is, you know, you talked a little bit about the process. Sometimes people feel like it, it takes, it's drawn out, it takes a long time to finally get an answer. Is this, is there, what's the reason behind that? If you, someone say, hey, this is taking forever. Why, why isn't he charged or she charged with what they did to me, et cetera? I think that's going to depend on the circumstances of the offense. Um, in Rock Hill, we we take them all complaints you know and unlawful conduct very seriously so we have to move on it what you find is that like i said we're doing the internal investigation for policy violations but then you have sled doing the investigation for criminal violation uh, those two investigations are going on at the same time concurrent however they don't cross usually meaning that our investigations, um, we're, we're not going to give information to SLED while they're doing their inv investigation. That way it doesn't taint either side of it. So you may think that it's taking a long time, but in actuality it's not because when you look at the big incidents, and what I mean is nationwide incidents where people are saying that you know justice is not happening quick enough, uh, there's a couple factors that could be in play. And one is everybody's afforded due process. Even law enforcement officers, they are given due process. So if a law enforcement officer acted, you know, unlawfully or unethically, you would want that investigation to be thorough, you would want it to be detailed, and you would want it to be done the right way. Just like when we investigate, you know, any crimes that get reported to us, you'd want the officer investigating it or the detective investigating it to be thorough, to be complete, and make sure they do everything the right way. So it's going to seem like it takes longer. Um, especially in the heat of the moment when you are calling you know for this to be done and that to be done then the other part of it is police unions we don't have police unions here but you often read stories about police unions and what they accomplished um, on an officer that was terminated and then rehired and so people often try to associate that with us but we don't have police unions here got it okay I know you said you know conversations dialogue and 
meetings are a good way to move forward. Is, is there anything else you'd like to share about how we can move forward and, and improve things? No, I would like to say just, you know, keep that open mind. Uh, if you see that police officer riding in your neighborhood, get out and speak to them. Uh, we encourage our officers to speak to other people. Community engagement is big for us. Uh, we cannot do our jobs without the community, and we know that the community can't thrive without us and the citizens having positive interactions. So we just, you know, keep that open dialogue, reach out, get to know us. We want to get to know you and uh, be open-minded about, you know, what's going on in our community in Rock Hill. Okay. And I know there's the site that, that they can go on. What exact site they have some, if they want to do some research based upon some of the things we talked about, like the terms? All right. So the Rock Hill Police Department site is a uh, subheading on the City of Rock Hill's uh, website. Uh, if you just go to our page, uh, click on policies, and you'll see a lot of our policies that people ask for all the time. We've gone ahead and put them, put them on there. Uh, you can read on different ones. Our use of force, our body cam, uh, they're on there. We got our civilian ride-along program on there. We had to suspend it due to COVID, but we always encourage people to come and do ride-alongs so you can see firsthand you know, what our officers deal with. Okay. And is there, I guess there's contact information on there if someone wanted clarification as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's phone numbers and contact information for uh, numerous uh, supervisors that we have, so you can call in and, and ask any of us uh, any questions you may have. Or you can go ahead and email uh, the webpage. It usually comes to me or someone else, depending on what you're actually asking. Um, or you can go ahead and send that direct message to Facebook, and I'll get it and try and get back to you as soon as possible. Okay. Well, this just leaves me with my final question, Lieutenant Chavis. Is there anything we didn't talk about today or something you wanted to share that we didn't touch on? No, I think, uh, I think we've touched on it all. The main thing is I, we just want to keep those open dialogues. If you have an event where you want officers to come out and speak, um, just reach out to us. You can reach out to our community services division or, you know, someone else and they'll pass along the message to get it to the right person. And, you know, we're more than willing to come out and engage and, and talk and see if we can continue to build these positive relationships. Okay, great. Well, Lieutenant Chavis, thank you for coming on our show today. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It was great. Till next time, Rock Hill in the world. I'm Chris Corrado here with Rock Hill Video and now a word from our sponsors.